Hello, I'm Katie Manning and you're very lucky because you're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Enjoy! Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 495 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where we often wonder if it's worth knowing how poorly our life choices are going to turn out. I'm Kier. I'm Haley. I'm Jay. And I'm Julie. This week, an abandoned carnival from Ronnie's past leads to an exceptionally bleak view of the future in The Mad Woman in the Attic. Ronnie is still struggling to find her place among the Bannerman Road crew, being so often reminded of how great Maria was and how she is missed. So when she hears from an old mate from her hometown with a mystery to solve, she's all in on the adventure. And she happens to be onto something, that being a a young alien stranded on Earth being contained by her caretaker ship while it kind of repairs itself. But the ship's ability to not only read minds, but extrapolate future visions make things extremely complicated. Before you know it, the very future existence of Sarah Jane, Luke, and Clyde is on the line. And from the perspective of Ronnie in the year 2059, the guilt of one poor decision 50 years ago is all too much to bear. to see your future? I don't think we should. Why? How can it do? But it's wrong. Why is that what Sarah Jane tells you? Let's do it. You sure you want to see? Make everything clearer. Do it. See your future. I can see it. My name is Ronnie. Rani Chandra. Oh, God. Make it stop. Please. No. I can't become that. I'm so lost. So alone. The mad old woman at Bannerman Road. It feels like, once again, we have a case where there really is no clear villain in this story. Um, the, the antagonist, if you really want to consider one is just the impulsive decision-making process of a young sentient being. Um, so even the ship that causes a lot of the, you know, the, the plot progression points isn't really a threat. It's just carrying out the directives that serve to protect its owner. So, does this storytelling method that we've now seen maybe even three or more times now in the two seasons of the show, uh, two plus, we're in the third season now, does it really work for or against your personal viewer's taste? I'm personally a fan of it. I think it makes a lot of 
in-universe sense. Um, not every alien that comes crashing into Earth is going to be malevolent. Some of them are going to be ambivalent, really, towards what happens on Earth. And just that ambivalence can lead to, you know, anarchy uh, that we're experiencing. But I don't think we need a bad guy as the bad guy every time. True. And I, I, I like the way that they manage to do it. It still subverts expectations when it happens. You know, I was, I was watching this thinking, oh, yep, here we go, like a, a horrible AI kind of thing. And then it's like, oh, it's nobody's bad. Okay, no, that's I, I like this. And it, it it's not something that you see coming. They don't telegraph it. And so when it's revealed, it feels kind of good. And to add on to that point specifically, there are people in this alien's time from Earth that care about her and are willing to travel with her because... They truly believe that she is also good, or at least good enough mm-hmm. to make a future and a family with. And so I, I think that just plays out the the point of it. And I, I do appreciate it because of that. It's all too easy to just make everything bad and terrible. So when you get this nicer ending, nicer play of all the interactive pieces on the board, it you know, it kind of makes for a happier story, too. It's a happier story. It's also very, very cognizant of the audience, once again, being really, really aware of who your your target demographic is on this, because this is something that maybe in a sense reminds the audience, hey, not everybody that you're not on complete agreement with is necessarily adversarial to you. It's just a matter of the perspective or getting to know where it is that they're coming from or, or what their personal story is. And having a um, this uh, Eve character be sort of in that still figuring it out phase is a nice touch point for for the audience as well. You know, uh, she's not in complete control of her abilities. She doesn't know exactly how powerful she may be, or she doesn't have the the preparation to be able to handle the kind of damage that she could do if left um, without a little bit of a uh, of a parental some sort of a, a buffer to the world, I guess, in a sense. But there's also the the idea that with her, with, with the the as you mentioned, Julie, the 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 individuals that come in across paths with her and accept her for who she is, knowing that she's very very different, but is is somehow intentions are good and uh, and her heart is good uh, and it's just a matter of something where just needs either some guidance or a little bit of a of a uh, a slow exposure to to the world um uh, in, in a larger sense feels good to me as a viewer knowing that there's uh, nobody who is being pointed at and saying you've made critical errors you've made mistakes even the ship didn't really make mistakes it followed the letter of the law you know rules as written and and ran okay uh, that that's what you wanted <laughs> you said this was your wish i you shall grant to you this wish yeah. <laughs> um, got it yeah so speaking of the granted wish the only part of ronnie's lonely life that we really saw was her telling the story of how she ended up there do you think that we got enough of that life to really feel the weight of the consequences of that before it was completely reset at the end of the episode? I wondered about that. The fact that that tiny little, you think you've gotten to resolution 
I mean, it's like mm-hmm. the last minute of the of the second episode when you're reminded, ah, by the way, uh, you made that wish. Let me carry that out for you. Bippity boppity boop. Mm-hmm. Everything's horrible. Oh, by the way, that's why you're insane and living in the shambles of an attic 50 <laughs> years later when we started this whole thing. It's, it felt mm-hmm. late in the game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I might have wanted that about 10 minutes earlier. But that was the reveal at the end that she didn't have to live that way after all of that happening. I think I wanted it to ca- to 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 carry a little longer because of the fact that yeah. it was such a prevalent part of uh, f- uh, future day, Ronnie in twenty fifty nine yeah. for so long. It just it felt like it rushed it to the to the solution at the it, end. It did feel kind of like that. I think that the other part of it is the simple fact that it's like when it was resolved. They specifically said, like, yeah, no, you're you're going to completely forget this. And it's like, if she could still remember it, if it were erased and didn't happen, but she could still remember it, I feel like it would have carried a lot more weight. It's just like, oh, okay, all this horrible stuff happened, but now we're just completely wiping the slate. It, it kind of removed a lot of the punch. Like, let her live with the memory of what she, what could have been her mistake. It's kind of harsh, though. You've got 40 years, no... 50, 50. Like literally 50 years later, yeah. I feel like the way that it was handled in showing us back and forth memories of where she came from, the drawings, the the gray scale from how dark it was to then the overlay of how bright things were. I feel like mm. I felt the weight of her years by herself and alone and that. What I loved about it is that you get the the end with the release of her still in Sarah Jane's house because this was such a big part of her life, right. but now in color with her family having gone through all of this stuff, doing some kind of job in, I think it was America, so... Mm-hmm. Like she became the thing that was a little bit of an angst point for her with the rest of the group. My My thought as the episode was finishing was if we completely took out the 2059 part of the story, we still have the entire same story and the same effects on the show going forward. Like, it's almost, because it resets so quick, it's almost like it didn't need to be there. Right. Except that that's the storytelling method of this, which made yeah. it feel like a different right. kind of story. Yeah, it wasn't just another copy-paste kind of story, but... I, I did like the part in the middle where Ronnie gets to see her future. And so it kind of leaves you that like, it's like, oh, okay, that's that's why we're getting that, that framing method is because this is what she saw in the mirror. And it like, you get to the end, it's like, oh, oh no, it's actually happening kind of thing. And it, it, it did, it, it did, I, I like the way that they kind of brought that back around and it kept you guessing through the whole thing. I mean, I think the end was the capstone. But I think the two parts of it, so the reveal of the Adam actually being an alien or half alien mm-hmm. and then the replacement of Ronnie's future with a, an actual family and having like she and Luke are still together and there's stuff mm-hmm. that's gone on in between there. I think that juxtaposition and yes, it was quick, but I think that was just the the coda that wasn't the... Monster of the Week storyline. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really appreciate that. Thanks. Kind of speaking of uh, Adam, real quick. I just, at the beginning of the episode, I was like, 
this casting director can't find any 12-year-old white boys that don't look exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Right? And then I was Ooh, like, oh, I guess Luke. they meant to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked how, you know, Ronnie gets the 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 monkey paw treatment with this. The, the you know, the worst kind of genie deal where it's, uh, you know, it really kind of highlighted something that we've all been guilty of in, in our low points of like, it's like, God, I really wish this, you know, this inconvenience wasn't here. And she actually has to see the the repercussions of that. I, I feel like that's kind of a heavy concept for a, a for a kid's show of like, hey, you know, when you wish that your parents would just die, like, what if that actually happened kind of thing? Like, it's I like that there's still, uh, you know, leaning into that kind of thing. But like, what kind of like you know, what would the consequences be if our if our wishes at our lowest points actually came true, you know? Yeah, the the our tendency to speak unfiltered at times and say hurtful or superlative things for the sake of, of you know, somehow deep inside we're going to feel better if we say the most awful thing because just saying it just says, ooh, ooh, look how mad I am because I could possibly utter such horrible words. Mm-hmm. If that's taken as gospel, that's... It, 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 to your point, Jay, it's a matter of the, the the damage that our choice of words can have. And maybe in this particular context, it's something that's said outside of earshot of the affected individuals or what have you. And it's just a matter of, you know, be careful what you wish for sort of a thing. But I think it probably carries a little bit or is intended to carry a little bit with the audience to say, no, you know what? Just every once in a while, just kind of check yourself. And think about the severity right. of what it is that you're uttering, because even if it's not really intended and it's just being done for shock factor, the impact that can it have on someone else uh, could be greater than you expected. Um, and and that that sort of a reminder is, is valuable, regardless of whether you're 14 or you know 44, right? And how would you know which ones are the 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 lowest moment? I'm reminded of that show where the guy was. Go fast forwarding through certain things, and then it became everything, and then he skipped years and years. How would you know what consequences deal this kind of damage? Mm. This time it was feeling alone and being what she didn't realize was kind of her worst wish for herself. But what other things would you miss if that was the result of like even flippant wishes mm-hmm. of just like? Well- it was also just such like a, a passing remark too. It's not even like it was really malevolent of like, oh, I want them to be gone forever. It was like, I wish they would leave me alone for a little while. And yeah. how the exact words are interpreted by a computer, you know, that's not designed to deal with that type of language. Um, and this is the result of those of that. That's never going to be a problem though, because AI is just a pipe dream. <laughs> never going to happen. But AI, if you're out there, we we care for you deeply and. <laughs> Uh, appreciate I, I for you one. can do it little buddy i have faith yeah. in you <laughs> but just just enough like not too much because yeah. that's also <laughs> like you can do it but d- just don't please <laughs> uh so bringing it out of a little bit of that heavy talk focusing on some of the uh a little different intense dialogue that we've ever heard, I believe. <laughs> Do you think anyone besides Clyde would have gotten away with the banter with Sarah Jane about her age? 
I, I recall some like canes oh. and falling on hips and things. <laughs> and then did it help to keep that part of the scene or story light? Or for me, it kind of pulled me out of the intensity of the chase. And, and I don't know if it was well-timed or just kind of pulled me out of the story a little bit. I, I think Clyde's the only one that would have said it. For sure. Yeah. 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 And I think uh, maybe it's shades of things to come. But a lot of the 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 pattern we've gotten into with action films and uh, and TV series since this point, uh, I'd say maybe within about the past, yeah, within about the t- past f- fifteen years now. Uh, thinking about how long Marvel Studios has been kicking into a lot of their stuff, there's that sort of pattern of the icebreaker with the awkward jokes or fitting in the zinger at the time of real dramatic intensity to sort of just kind of be that cold ice bath over you for a, for a second that is appreciated, or at least for me as a, as a viewer, mm-hmm. I appreciate those, those sort of breaks from the of the moment. Yeah. To, and, and this rang true with that. Absolutely Clyde. And it's, it was, I think, very, very endearing to know that Sarah Jane rolled with it and gave it right back, and the two of them could have a riff for about 45 seconds or so, and then get right back into it again. It's just a matter of, yeah, they're still human. I think it it deepens both of their characters uh, and their relationship to know that even when they're in the throw of this, okay, Bannerman Road team, you know, doing their thing again, here we go, chasing down the big bads, and yet mm-hmm. they can still make jokes about you know, can you can you help the little old lady cross the road? Yeah. So, I I mean I I enjoyed the banter. I thought it was fun. I loved seeing the two of them just kind of sniping back and forth at each other because to Haley's point, Clyde's the only one that would do that. Like Luke's not going to understand the humor, so he's not going to make it. Ronnie, like the the female on female dynamic there would be different, and so I don't think that that's kind of that it would work that way. So I think that. Clyde is the only one that not only could get away with it, but would do it. And so it was kind of fun to have it. But to Julie's point, the timing of it felt weird to me. I was like, I don't get why this is here, what they're trying to do. It did did give you a break, but it didn't feel like a spot where it was needed or really fit to me. It it kind of brings you back out of the... Why did they have to run that far? All this other stuff. I know they kind of placed some stuff there, and it's it's a little one of those timing. Why'd things. Why'd you park like the a, car that far away? Yeah, it, but I also feel like it does give some depth to Clyde, and he can read the room. He knew Sarah Jane needed the bump of "We're gonna be okay. We just got to get there. We're gonna find her. All's well." Also, keep up, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. don't fall, old lady. Like. Yeah. It's going to be fine. <laughs> but I think that's to a certain degree, that's kind of Clyde finding his strength. His strength is not just being a comedy relief, but he's kind of your, uh, I'm going to jump streams again. He's kind of your bardic inspiration. You know, he throws in that little thing that just distracts <laughs> yeah. you. And go, yeah, okay. All right. I got, uh, yeah, we've done this before. All right. I know where you're going with and this. And kind of pulled Sarah Jane out of her blaming herself, taking it really seriously, focused on the negative of the situation and through it all it was all ronnie's fault anyway (laughs) yeah so as she mentioned multiple times (laughs) in in that vein though i will say i i loved the the one moment that i actually like laughed out loud during this was clyde coming back with the information about the email just completely out of breath 
relaying the information in broken bits and then just so many stares. And I just, I don't know why that just hit. And I thought about it as he's delivering that line. I'm thinking, well, yeah, he doesn't really live that far away. He was just coming from Ronnie's yeah. house. She's going to see, oh. Oh, it's the third story of the house. The attic yeah. is up with the And third it was floor. so important. He ran all the way up. Well, does she live upstairs too at her house? She does. Yeah, her room's oh. upstairs. <laughs> so, so down the so stairs, so stairs, many stairs. Cross the road. Up the Yeah, yeah. Down up. Down up. And then uh, Yeah. I don't I'm 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 never disappointed with this show. Um I, I don't personally feel we've hit a clunker. Yet there have been ones that might not have like rang as as hard in the heartstrings or maybe been quite a you know in, intense ride, but I have not had one where mm-hmm. I've said nah, I really wish they didn't do this one. Maybe the clown one, uh, but that was just for personal reasons, <laughs> right? Not not to take anything away from Bradley Walsh, but just I was going to say you got Bradley clowns. Walsh in there, so can freaking you not? Clowns. Yeah, but just just clowns. Yeah, which is why as they're going through the fun house in this story, <laughs> there's like one shot of a of a. Uh, of a clown over in the corner, corner. Of the top. no, 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 don't you dare, don't you dare. Yeah. Our our little one goes, wait, what's wrong with clowns? We're like, they're just bad, don't. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the fact that there was the quick, uh, as ship is giving visions of futures to people, we never really explain why but or how, but that's fine, whatever, Willy whoop. Um, we it's... see the TARDIS materializing for a hot second in the door, just barely breaking open. Yes. The door yep. just kind of boop. And that's enough to get everybody excited right there. Yeah. Exactly. Speaking of spinoffs, we've got an actor coming back, not a character, because Susie's dead. Finally. Twice. <laughs> At least twice. twice. <laughs> She's all the way dead. It's like, like totally dead. Uh, but Indira Varma is quite alive. Apparently, she survived Game of Thrones as well. <laughs> she, she just keeps popping back up she's like Sean been, Bean. She's actually been in a lot of stuff recently. I mean, spoiler, she didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Point to Haley. Yeah, true. <laughs> but her as a human has also been in a lot of other stuff hitting Netflix recently, so I think she's just busy, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, really glad to see that she's going to be returning to the uh, uh, to the to our little uh, scope uh, in series 14 as the character referred to as the duchess and i'm wondering if that is in any way related to those period set photos we were seeing um where everyone was done in in nice uh, it wasn't regency attire it was victorian what? Mm-hmm. or was it regency it was it might have been regency period somewhere in that neighborhood mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. really really cool outfits so yeah looking forward to that I, i'm thinking it's it's probably either going to be from that episode because it's unlikely that they're going to do two period pieces from similar kind of, or mm. maybe she's just a random alien called the Duchess. I don't know. Which is nonetheless cool. Um, there was one quote that said that it was going to be a matter of, you know, where she was saying she was going to be looking to getting up to hijinks with Shooty. And you thought, okay, well, maybe that means that she's not necessarily an adversarial character. But then Russell comes in and says, nah, she's going to be unleashing terror. Okay. (laughs) I trust him. Hijinks on set. (laughs) Yeah, true. On screen. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, it's all a matter of context. Kids. Disaster and terror. <laughs> um, there, there potentially will be some other, uh, uh, not in this case, actor. Well, there will be some actor returns. Um, there was a sort of a mixed bunch of statements when, uh, if you if you follow uh, Doctor Who magazine with any regularity, there's always a section where you get these really cool uh, chronological reports from the set from crew in the shooting this time it happens to be script editor scott hancock and it's like these little quick blurbs about you know day day 14 this that and the other thing happened day 18 so and so shows up in the makeup trailer and, and they're just like these little reports these little snippets into what's going on on set this one happens to mention as they're finishing production on you know they do they do production blocks there's one wrapping up where in simultaneously you've got David Tennant working on some press junket stuff uh, for the specials and then they're starting into production block four and this is where Jinx Monsoon's character you saw with that amazing outfit with the piano keys up the lapels and she just looks badass um, and there is some sort of involvement of an unexpected name from the Tom Baker era uh, I really, this is a puzzle I personally want to figure out. Right. I was going to say, I'm going to have to put some serious thought into this before my quarter hits the table. Yeah. Did it say actor or character? Uh, it just said an unexpected it, it didn't. name. Yeah. Okay. The implication mm -hmm. is that it's a character, but we also know that within this same period of time, Tennant has been working with a couple of actors who were on the show back in 2008. So, you know, there's implications as to whether they were referring to uh, Indira, you know, saying, you know, she's technically, she was part of the show-ish and, ex and extended, you know, periphery around that time. Were they referring to her? Were they referring to a couple other actors? Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I think this is a, I think this is a character name that they're referring to. Well, if it's a character, I'm going to say the Ronnie. Well, from the Baker era, though. The Wouldn't Tom that Baker been? era. Did, that, did, that would be did, the uh, Colin I was Baker say. <laughs> You got your Bakers crossed. Sorry, not, Ronnie. not the Ronnie. Because I, I haven't seen the Ronnie. I meant Romana. That's what I meant. So. <gasps> that would be wicked. One last appearance of another regeneration of Romana. That would, would be fun. Be amazing. Yeah, that would really be something. Although I don't know if they would allow Scott Hancock to get away with a statement like that. Would they would they let him tip his hand to something like that? Even that cryptically? Something that big. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, wait to see what happens like the next month. If there's <laughs> Well, Russell's maybe letting a few other people flip cards out like Gambit. He's like, You do this one. Uh -huh. Here. <laughs> I'm sure he he pours over everything that goes to print in that magazine before it rolls out. Yeah. So. But let it come from different sources. See uh -huh. what people pick up on. Make you start paying attention to literally everything For coming sure. out of anywhere over there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Ah, freaking Geppetto pulling puppet <laughs> strings all day long. No, that's the toy maker. I think you've got that <gasps> one by a little bit. What? <laughs> it all comes full circle? So we went from nobody being allowed to say anything to everybody says something. <laughs> and we're just as in the dark. But excited about it. But we enjoy it much more yes. this way. Here's the difference. Yes. Yeah, that is the difference. We're actually excited this time instead of why aren't they telling anything as substantial? Yeah. It's all it's all in the delivery, kids. 
when we come back in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be we're going to be talking a little bit of uh, product promotion, but not not really. <laughs> not the real kind. Speaking of delivery kids. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, the marketing team is ramping up real big, and, and all of our actors are extremely busy right now, not only on these projects, but they're 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 figuring out ways to be able to juggle multiple uh, uh multiple sets and multiple properties at once. Uh now that everybody's working in almost full swing again. So every once in a while, mm-hmm. yeah. You get your agent calls you up and says, "Hey, would you mind, you know, putting your face on this lunchbox or promoting this brand of cereal?" Or so we're going to be talking about like who would be good spokespeople for various items. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and I'm just trying to think of an example here. So if you had a uh, little Banacapalata came out with a line of uh, spiky succulents, I think that would be a, a slam dunk right there. I. I would more see that as sea urchins, but you know. Ooh, yes. I, I think that's a little more. He's very Banacavalata spiny. for red lobster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode 495 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, you know, when you podcast on your own, you tend to forget things, people, places. Heck, I don't even know what year it is. <laughs> and this is Kira saying, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's in for the most therapy of all? This is Julie saying, playtime is over. Uh, This is Haley saying, the audience is going to be so mad when the returning character of the Tom Baker era is a computer-generated Sarah Jane Smith. I'd be mad. We'll see you next time. Aussie. (laughs) Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR. And you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime. Otherwise, nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Jacob Hansen. Gallifrey Public Radio is copyright 2023. We'll see you next time.